0: Why don't you open your Bibles to Galatians 3. We're going to cover three verses starting in verse 7. All right, here's what Paul says Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. If we rely on faith, we are blessed along with Abraham. What does that even mean? And who is this Abraham? Abraham would be a man that most of the the world would say, is their ancestor, their father. The the Muslims would say that. The Jews would say that. Christians say that. Abraham is a word um, that means father of many. They originally called him Abram, which is a word that meant father. You guys know that song? Father Abraham, his many sons. You guys know that song? I remember singing that in camp and thinking, I am not a son of Abraham. My dad is Bentley. I am not Abraham's son, and I was ticked off. Who is Abraham? Abraham was this man who lived in Ur, this town called Ur. And he was this rich idolater with a barren wife. This is who he was. He lived in this town. And Ur was this probably the most sophisticated city in the ancient world. They found a bunch of, they actually just discovered Ur. Here's some of the archaeological finds. And Ur exists today. Check out this building. It's it's a real, and look at that, Hummers. Come on. That's in the city of Ur. Ur was sophisticated like you wouldn't believe. They had libraries. No other cities had libraries back then. We have some more pictures. Um, This is sort of the outskirts of Ur. There were really like rich houses. All of the rich people in the region would move there. And here's what it would have looked like back in the day. It was this like metropolis. Abraham was rich. This would be a guy that would have had so much. They had parks. Towns didn't have parks back then. They had places like theaters. This was all new, sophisticated, rich. And the city had a temple to Terah. Terah was this moon god that they would worship. And in this town of Ur, it was really specific, this place where you'd come and worship the moon. Check out this next um, tablet that they found. So they would come to this town called Ur, and people would make pilgrimages and be there. And this is really fascinating, is that Abraham's dad was named Terah. And they actually had little idols, and his father was one of those. Abraham's dad was named after the god of the town and was very influential. And Abraham himself worshipped this god. Isn't that fascinating? Listen to what Joshua says. Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, included Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. He raised Abraham to be an, an an idolater. This is who he was. And so Abraham, this man who had a barren wife, he was rich, he probably lived in a palace, God comes to him. Genesis 12, 1, The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. This is crazy. The ancient Jews understood what God was saying here. He's saying, leave Ur, leave the palace, leave your religion, leave your family, And just go and worship me only. And according to Acts 7, God calls him to travel from Ur up to the Euphrates, which is the river to Canaan. This is what it kind of looked like here. So he called him from Ur to go up the river to Haran and then make the the journey over to Canaan. But what happened was this. Abraham makes it to Haran, and decides, oh, okay, God, that's enough. We're tired. It's a nice little town. We're going to settle here. And then at the beginning of Genesis 12:1, God says this. He says, Abraham, go. Like, just get, Abraham. Finish your journey. Go. And he does it. Listen to what Hebrews 11 says. By faith, Abraham... When called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Canaan is freaky. You, you show up in Canaan, and all on the trees would have been these, like, demonic idols. And so he's walking with his family, and just like, oh my goodness, just like, demon heads, demon heads, demon heads on the trees. It would have been terrifying. He didn't even know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were his heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city without foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He lived in tents. So, he left a palace. His wife finally gets pregnant by God. And they're in a tent, And she's probably thinking, Abraham, why are we in a tent? This is the Middle East. Scorpions, snakes, they have a baby. It's not safe. There's a lot of violence, and they're living in a tent. Why are they in a tent? Listen to what Hebrews 11 says. They were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. This kind of scares me a little bit. God is not ashamed to be called their God. It's this crazy concept that that God is, is ashamed of us when we don't live with faith. It's this concept that that when we live in just the safety and comfort of what we've always known, we just, and we lack faith, that God is ashamed of that. And it's so easy to forget, I think, like God puts a desire or a passion in our heart. Tony Campolo talked about one of his friends who went to med school, and his whole purpose was to become a doctor and to be a missionary, and he was just driven to go help the people of Africa. And as he went through med school, he got an expensive lease on a car. And when he graduated med school, he had this lease. And so he had to get a job to to, to pay off this lease. And he ended up doing breast implants, Tony said. And the money came in, and it was good. And it was so good. And two years later, Tony met with him. He was living in a mansion. He completely walked away from his dream. Tony said he actually left God altogether. He completely forgot He's left the faith. Listen to what else Paul says in Hebrews. But my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. He says that when we shrink back, that's when we're destroyed. Like, no one in this room is gonna just decide tonight, I'm walking away from my faith. Forget it. I don't need this garbage. But what can happen is that when we don't live for anything, when we actually just live for this place, not heaven, we slowly shrink back and we're vulnerable because we're not meant to live like that. We're meant to live by faith. We're meant to have miracles happen through us. We're meant to have our spiritual gifts ignite. He says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Oh my goodness. We could do everything perfect we could live without sin but faith is the currency with god it's faith listen to what second chronicles say the eyes of the lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him he searches us jesus says when the son of man comes will he find faith on earth And the command that that we have is the same as Abraham. And this is what Keith Green is saying. This was the last command that each one of us has. He said, Abraham, go. He's saying the same thing to us. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And this is what I love. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Francis Chan Tells a story of um, a couple of years ago they were trying to do this outreach in San Francisco, and they told all the homeless community they were gonna feed them, and eight hundred showed up, or sorry, eight thousand show up, and the guy who ran the mission shows up and he says, I have terrible news. We have no meat. There's no meat to feed them. And it was this big like Thanksgiving dinner. And so they just gathered and they prayed, and the phone rang. And it was Trader Joe's. They said, our fridge is stopped. Do you need meat? This is a true story. And they're like, yes, we need meat. The next thing they know, a semi-truck pulls up in front of the mission full of all the meat they need. He said, the whole team just fell on their knees and just thanked God and prayed. One year later, they're doing it again. Twice as many people show up. The guy comes out again and says, You're not going to believe it. I'm so sorry. We have no meat. They prayed again. As they're praying, the phone rings. It's Trader Joe's again. A year later. And says, the power's out. Do you need meat? (laughs) You see, you will experience God when you actually go. When you actually decide To step into his mission. That's when you encounter God. So many people say, I never encounter God. I never see a miracle. Why do you always see miracles? Why do you always hear this stuff? It's when we go. It's when we step in. This is what happens. James, the brother of Jesus, says this, Elijah was a man just like us, and he called down fire from heaven, and I think, okay, God, right now, some of us in this room are like doubting our faith. We're apathetic. Bring down fire right now. But it's totally different. You see, he was surrounded by hundreds of prophets of Baal. If fire didn't come, his head was going to get cut off. That's when he shows up, not in a building like this. What's going to happen if he doesn't? He shows up when there's no other chance, when there's no other opportunity. This is when he shows up, when we walk in faith. If you haven't encountered the living God, it's because you're not making disciples. It's not the other way around. You don't encounter God and then are motivated to make disciples. That's not the kingdom. I have this, uh, this poster up in my office. I love this poster. It's a young 22-year-old Joel driving that boat there, the Ark. Um, and I look at it every day and it just reminds me of the man of faith that I want to be. It's the Ark. It's the old houseboat. And And one day we show up and there was a storm the night before and I show up and and the guy who runs the houseboat place, he's like, your boat is in bad shape. He says, it's not going anywhere. And I went and looked and a whole half of the boat was underwater. One full pontoon, the cap had blown off and it was way underwater. And I'm like, oh my goodness. But I'm a dummy. I don't know how physics works. I think I could pump that pontoon out. (laughs) It's underwater, though. That doesn't make any sense. So I stick this, like, tube down there, turn on the pump, and I'm pumping out water, not realizing that I'm just pumping out the lake. You see how that works? If you put a bowl under the lake, see how it works? Anyways, I come back five minutes later, and the boat is sitting perfectly upright. And the guy, his name is Malcolm, comes up to me, and he says, how did you do that? And I just said, I just pumped it out. And then he said to me, who are you? Like this. (laughs) I'm Joel. I don't know. He says, well, where did the air come from that went into the pontoon? It was underwater. And I said, I pumped out the water. And he said, I know. But where did the air come from that's in the pontoon now? And I was, immediately I recognized, oh my goodness. We just witnessed the craziest miracle before our eyes. You see, God shows up when we seek to make disciples. So you're supernatural. And when you step into your supernature, you'll hear from heaven. He loves faith, this is his currency. One of our beauties in our youth group just called me in the fall and, and was downtown. I was ready to step on the ice to play hockey and he said, hey, we're downtown. We're trying to lead people to Jesus. How do we lead people to Jesus? <laughs> I was like, whoa, what? Wait a second. So I like took my equipment off and sat down and we had to talk about how to like pray for people and how to like, how to do that. These guys had decided that their evening was going to be a night where they just go and talk to people and pray for them and love them and, and just see what happens. Sometimes We just get annoyed with people, don't we? When, like, especially it's so cold out now and there's so many really needy people and they come up to us and they say, hey, can I have some money? And you know that they're probably going to use it to buy drugs, but it's better than stealing something to get drugs or it's hard to know what to do. So I've kept these $5 gift cards in my wallet for Tim Hortons so that you could at least buy them a meal and have a warm place to go. So I've just been looking for people and just handing them out and saying, hey, Uh, You know, here's some. you can go get a meal and go sit in a warm place. What's your name? And can I pray for you? And it gets me out of my comfort zone, but it changes my whole posture toward needy people. I see someone that's needy, and instead of being like, oh, no eye contact, no eye contact, it's like, hey, man. And then they're like backing away. Whoa, what's up, man? (laughs) Hand them a gift card and get to pray with them. And then you can just simply you can see things that are physically wrong and then you just ask to pray for those things this is how miracles happen you know i think i think sometimes we just have this posture of shrinking back and our faith is destroyed i think about some guys some of our young adults a few years ago who were just praying for people all the time and then they saw the miraculous and they posted it on facebook hey this happened today this guy got healed And then everyone else just piled on them. Man, it didn't happen unless you posted it on Facebook. Or thanks for bragging or something like this. And I'm just like, no, build up the church. If the miraculous happens, let's brag about it. Let's talk about it. Let's not shrink back. Let's encourage each other into love and good deeds. You see what I'm saying? I mean, God shows up when we go. I love this. Let's not just survive. Listen to this invitation from Jesus. Listen to this. We're so caught up in survival, aren't we? And just getting by and having a career. And Listen to what Jesus says. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Whoa. What you will eat or drink. Or about your body. Phew. <laughs> what you will wear. It's funny, I, I wear a new hoodie and everyone points it out. I don't know. I mean, how old is... Anyways. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Jesus is saying, your life is not survival. It's not food, clothing, getting by. It's not TV. It's not working for the weekend. He's being straight up, don't waste your life on things that are promised. Not one person in this room is going to starve to death. I promise. Not one. Not one of us is going to die from the elements because we can all find shelter. What's the point on living for these things? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these will be given to you as well. Jesus says seek them and let me do it. We live the opposite way. We seek the things that he promises and then wonder why we never experience him and why we're so discontent and lukewarm. The book um, by Bob Goff called Love Does is so awesome. And he said this one sentence that just stuck out to me and I've just adopted it as my own. He says this. He says, pick a fight. Pick a fight. Like, with your life, the, the banner over your life needs to be a cause, a fight. I've been uh, going to lots of basketball games because Owen's in playing middle school teams, and I, I coached a few games, which was really fun. But what I what really like startled me was all these other teams, all these other junior high teams are playing him and I know like one or two or three kids in this whole tournament and I'm looking at all these kids that very likely don't know Jesus and I just think, oh, there's just so many people in Kelowna that don't know Jesus. And and at the end of the day, probably their parents work with many of you and their brothers and sisters go to college with us. And we're not going to reach the whole city just by going after one demographic, but if everybody in this community just said, I'm going to use my life to reach the lost, and people don't need information. They don't need you to go up to them and have a weird conversation. Hey, do you know Jesus? (laughs) He died for your sins. They'll be like, what? But they do need people that love them, that that, that intentionally speak words of life. And just imagine if, if every single person in our life, if we just started offering prayer to them, someone's having a bad day, just say, hey, how's it going? Oh, I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll be praying for you. Is there anything else I can pray for you for? Or even on, on Facebook or wherever it might be, if we just start to just be people that pray for other people all the time, it changes our relationships from surface to massively spiritual immediately. It changes everything. And, and I really believe that God has called many of us in this room to actually be in the mission field. It might, be, it might be overseas. It might be here in Kelowna. But I do believe that God has called every single person here, the same as Moses, to not live for this kingdom. He said, Moses, get out of Ur. You're going to live a life in a tent, but you're going to have so much peace and so much joy. And God's called every one of us in this room. And so I just think we need to rethink a little bit of our lives. Like, why are you living? Why are you going to university right now, if you are, or college? If you're in high school, what do you want to do with your life? If it's just get a career to get by, you'll be miserable. If you have a job, why are you doing that job? Like, what are your future plans? How do you want to spend your retirement? You know, when we retire one day, it's a massive opportunity. Our retirees have the most amount of money and the least amount of responsibility and the most amount of wisdom. You add that up, that's pretty powerful. It's not just to be wasted on a golf course. Not that there's anything wrong with golfing. But we've been called to go and make disciples. And that's when he'll be with us. And for each one of us, that looks very different. So don't compare yourself to anyone else and say they're going more than I am. It looks different for all of us. But this is where we find life that is crazy. God is honored by our faith. And, and I do believe that God within each one of us just wants to give us purpose for life. Just a beautiful purpose. So we're going to pray and we're going to take communion and let's just, let's just lay ourselves just completely open toward God and just say, God, just give me dreams. Just give me, just give me vision. I just want to go for it. The people in your life for sure are a part of that. The people you work with, guaranteed, are a part of that. The people in your family... A hundred percent. Your friends. So let's pray. Jesus, we uh we thank you so much that you've called us and given our, our lives meaning, God. That we're not just like those, like a rudderless ship, just